This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with a friend and a return guest, Joanne Wojtek, Program Manager of the NASA Soup Contract. Joanne, welcome back. Thank you. Always good to be here. For the few people out there who may not understand the scope of the the NASA contract, the Solutions for Enterprise-Wide Procurement, SOUP, uh, please, uh, please inform them. Well, first of all, unfortunately, it's not a few. Uh, we are continue to, our biggest battle is making sure everybody understands just how broad our scope is and how easy it is to get anything in, under that scope. And anything under that scope is anything in the IT, communications, and audiovisual world. If you are buying something in services or products that fit under any of those categories, you can get them through these contracts. Because in part, we have this the long, the broad scope, and in part, because we're a dynamic contract, we, we add to the contract based on the customer needs. So um, it's, it's always growing and always uh, expanding in terms of the products under the, the you know, set scope, but that scope is pretty broad. Okay. So, um, so you cover a lot of ground. Um, yes. You guys... Uh, um, you, you were facing basically the same problems everybody else did in 2020. That was this little COVID gig, uh, which is not past us yet. But the weird thing for me is you increased, again, what you were talking about there, the so kind of the scope of the vehicle, but also the dollars coming in. So how did COVID affect your operations and how did you grow consistently during that period? So um, it actually did not affect us too adversely because um, we had been building towards being able to work off uh, out of the office. Um, and it had a actual fire, a real fire <laughs> about a, a year before that, where we had to vacate the building and be out of it for a week. And, and we had set up our system so that we could do that um, without any disruption to our customers. So this was just a longer... <laughs> longer week um, now a year um, and so we had already you know not because we expected this to happen but we had at least a basic plans in place to work off our out of our offices so from a customer point of view it has been without any disruption pretty much no no disruption at all obviously for for the working folks we're constantly dealing with how to you know how to meet how to how to you know be as interactive with each other when you're in this distance arena. But the staff has adjusted very well. Um, we have provided them with all the technology that we're able to, to help them and provide them with the support we can. Um, and by we, I mean both SOUP and, and NASA. Um, NASA is very supportive of, of the telework environment and understanding that people have to do what they have to do. And so it's um, it's it's the best possible, um, I, I believe, um, manner in which we've handled this that um, from from beginning to end from top to bottom from the 
you know, the person answered the phone to myself trying to manage all this. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the, uh, the growth of the vehicle. You topped $9 billion last year. Yes. <laughs> that, that was it's, a, it's still shocking to me. <laughs> 40% increase over where you had been uh, previously, which, yeah. you know, by any standards, I mean, you know, stock market manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> and we I do mean, not have Fred in helping us now. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what's going on here? Well, it's it's a it's a number of pieces. Uh, we have had a steady growth of about twenty to twenty five percent over the past five years or so. And and as I come to think about this, you know, we're, how we got here, um, it's it's success building on success, and, and and using success to do that. If you can, I, I think you can be successful, and and then take that success, say I'm great, and let me just you know be happy with where I'm I'm successful. With us, our entire culture at Soup is. Yeah, we're, this is great. We've been successful. Now, how do we get more successful? How do we do better for our customers? How do we take what we are, are growing in staff and resources and, and build that better? So I think we hit um, a lot of features and, 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 and staffing and responsibilities and all that kind of you know, got together. And then this pandemic hit and people were looking for solutions. Um, we, we, we were there for that. Um, we also had, quite honestly, some luck um, from our point of view. Um, in that some, some agencies um, recently were no longer having their own contracts or had less use of them and, and were shopping around and, and we picked up quite a bit there. We have finally cracked the code of some of the agencies that maybe were not as big a customer of ours. Um, Homeland Security is a major um, one of those um, for years. I, I don't think it's just soup, but for years, just in general, they were you know very insulated in, in their usage of non DHS contracts and they changed that view and, and are using us along with other contracts, but that, that has moved them up quite a bit. So it's a, it's a, it's not one thing is what it comes down to. It's a combination of, of timing and, and having the um, ability to, as I tell my staff all the time, it's great if somebody like DHS comes and uses us as us more, but we have to then be sure is that we're able to respond to that and, and we are happy and the staff has done a great job doing that. Okay, so in in, in uh, keeping that in mind, what did you do in FY20 and what didn't you do in FY20 that you wanted to do but for some reason couldn't? Um, I, I, I think FY20, um, I personally changed a lot, which, you know, I, I, I'll take some responsibility for making some, some good changes there in that recognize that we needed to be more strategic. And then the staff changed with that and said, we have to look at things um, and figure out a strategic way of dealing. So we actually came up with a strategic plan during the year. We started looking at, at our vision. We, um, we got ourselves organizationally more structured in a strategic way. So it, 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 it was, again, responding to the fact that we're growing to saying, okay, now we have to change and evolve ourselves and evolve our systems, evolve our applications, and, and make sure the resources are there for our staff. Speaking of staff, uh, before we went on air, I asked you, uh, you know, about your staff. I, I've been working and watch, working with and watching you guys for ages, and your retention as a contract shop is extraordinary. And I asked you about that, uh, you know, whether 
you know, the only time you hire is from somebody retiring. And you indicated to me that over the past X number of months, you've been adding new bodies and, uh, you know, that kind of caught me off guard. So what, <laughs> uh, I, I know your, your, your retention is still great. Right. So, uh, why the need for new bodies? Well, I'm now dealing with $9 billion instead of $1 billion, which means you're dealing with more orders, more expectation from our customers, um, and how we're going to respond to them. We do a lot of other reports and interaction at the agency level that we used to not do. So we have to make sure we have the infrastructure to provide those reports. And we're trying to add um, data quality. Um, so a lot more work on that area. So we're taking little areas and building up our staff. And those things that we did kind of, oh, just get it done. Now we can do it more with more thought, preparation, and follow-through than we could before because we can hire that staff to do that. So um, it's it's taking the core of what we've done and making it more robust. Okay. So um, more more is better in this sense. I mean, you know, the, the growth of the contracts is extraordinary. You are the oldest GWAC out there. I mean, what yeah. is this? You're... Uh, 28 years. 28. Man, that's right, because I was there for your uh, your 25th anniversary. Yep. Uh, that that rainy night. <laughs> uh, I think it, you, know, you mentioned the retention piece. I think that a part of that is that a part of the, the reason we can add people is we keep the peak, the core that have been with us for 20 some years. Um, there's, there's a lot of people here for 20 years of plus. Um, you bring in the new people and they can integrate together and, um, and it, it helps those folks that have been here a while to actually, re, I think regenerate themselves too and, and do new things. And, and um, again, success builds success. And I think that's, that's a big part of our story. I, I and I think it's one way that you attract not only employees and your agency clients. I think it's also how you attract the contractor community that's involved in in the uh, in the IT arena. I mean, there's virtually nobody in GovCon in IT that doesn't know Sue. Right, and we continue to add. Um, uh, we had about five companies a day right now um, to the, the list of, of companies selling products and services through soup. So it's, it's we're up over 8,000 um, companies involved who are active. And I hired somebody just to handle that piece of the, this is, you know, why do we need new people? If we're adding five new companies a day, how do we make sure that we're knowing who they are and making sure we have the right information? It takes time and, and people. And, and now we have somebody who spends their day working with that. In fact, we have a whole team to work with our, our industry partners, um, not just our contract holders who we, who we team with, but we also team with those 8,000 companies who are working with our contract holders. So um, it's, it's, it's making things easier for industry to understand us um, and, and feel comfortable with how we operate. Okay. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Joanne and I shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with Joanne Wojtek, Program Manager of the NASA Soup Contract. Uh, Joanne, part of the success of your uh, of your contract is the simple fact that you make your customers happy, 
And uh, when that happens, your vendors are, are almost as happy, but you work hard to make them happy too. But a big part of that equation is the, the data quality that goes into what you're providing your agency customers. Talk about that a little bit, please. All right. So um, first, my background is data because I, I used to be a programmer and a data-based uh, manager. And so I, I've always put a lot of um, both faith and, 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 and lack of faith in data because <laughs> if you know data, you know how it can be both good and bad if you don't know quite what to do with it. Uh, context and, and quality is, is very important. And too often people just assume if it says data, it's right. So I, I put a lot of emphasis and then as a, as a team, as a program, uh, this past year, we came up with four strategic goals and one of them is to improve our data quality. Um, so that and by data, we're talking primarily about information about our, the companies that work with us, our customers who use us, um, you know, which agency they're with. That can be confusing at times, depending on, on the type of agency you have. Um, the, the, um, and then the data itself, what, what are the products being sold? Um, is, is something a product or a service? It seems like an easy question. We'll get that from our customers a lot. Well, how much products, how much services? It's like, well, what's a service? What's a product? And sometimes there's overlap. And what if you bundle? And how do you, how do you make all these decisions so that when the customer wants information, we get them the correct information? Um, so we've been very strong in that arena and we're getting stronger. We, we are hiring uh, quite a few people in, in that area and, and have hired recently to improve the quality Checking on things, hand hand checking, um, it's, it's something you can't automate all the time. Um, it's we, we are using those automated systems when we can, but um, sometimes it just takes a, a, a website lookup to say, what is this part number? Is this, is this actually a, a camera or is it the warranty for a camera? Or is it the software to go into a camera because cameras now have software? Um, and how do you define that as a service or a product? And it's all very tied into... Um, there's no real um, full um, standardization across the industry of what you call things and how you define them and what part numbers mean. So we are trying to define it within soup to make it usable to get our customers, particularly our, our agency level customers who want to track and understand what they purchased from, from soup. Okay. So uh, for, for your more active customers there, I'm assuming that they rely on this data to make the right decisions. Right. So uh, this is the, at, at that level, it's primarily the, uh, for CIO type folks or folks at that level at the CXO level who want to maybe not make decisions, but know where decisions are being made and be able to track and, and work within their agency to then make better decisions. Um, it helps our cust- our day-to-day customer because if we know, if we can get, provide them with the, um, with verified data. So um, every time a customer comes in and gets a quote now, um, if, if they want an authorized reseller uh, and they want a brand name, we immediately tell them before they even open up any file whether or not everything on the quote is from an authorized reseller and a brand name. Um, they, so we've built a system that does that for them. <laughs> that requires data to be correct. It requires us to have the right information. So all of the resellers who are contract holders are not necessarily authorized in all of the products that are represented on Well, and authorized resellers itself is a term that has no 
standard meeting. So that's where I was uh, going. <laughs> yes, we actually have we use the term approved, and approved means that the uh, the manufacturer considers the sale to be legitimate because that's about the most common t- terminology we can come to. Yeah, and for some things it doesn't matter. If you're buying a cable, do you really care if it's a you know who's does it, you know this power cord doesn't really have approved resellers. If you're buying a router. A Juniper or Cisco router, you probably want a Juniper or Cisco authorized reseller. So, um, so we want to make sure the customer knows when they are getting it, and then they can make the decision as to whether it matters to them or not. And we make it really simple and make it as obvious as we can in our, in our systems now. Okay, so I know you make your uh, your agencies uh, customers happy. You work closely with them. You've always done that. the The flip side of that coin is you have always worked closely with the contract holders themselves. And I remember um, trying to get in touch with you uh, throughout the early 2000s, and 90% of the time you were on the road visiting either agencies or contractors. Um, and, And I was told by those who should know that uh, uh, you visited contractors who were underperforming as well as those who were performing because you hated underperformers on your contracts. I don't hate them because to me, it's up to them to decide they want to underperform or not, but I want it to be their decision and not our fault. So if you're not going to perform well, I want to make sure that we understand why and, and, and help help that company. And if they then decide not to, you know what? I, I can't force you to, to perform well if you, in, in terms of, of getting lots of orders. Now, underperforming in terms of not not providing service to our customers or or not delivering on time, that's a whole other story. Um, in that case, we have performance tracking and make sure that, that that's happening. So it depends on what you mean by underperforming. Underperforming is not getting any orders or underperforming meaning not performing well. Yeah. That we care about. We definitely care about them performing well um, when they do perform. Right. So the 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 direction I'm going here is you are not even I mean, your travel was cut back as the scope of the vehicle enlarged and number of contractors enlarged. But this past year, you probably weren't able to travel much, if any. I haven't traveled. And, and, and um, again, one of the one of the positives of growing is I have staff who has the ability to take on some responsibilities. Um, so we're not traveling and none of us are traveling, but um, we continue to meet with all the contract holders um, through my, through the, what we call the contract holder relationship managers. Um, they, every week, I would guess they have a meeting or two. Um, and so they are continuously meeting with, and they go through, it's not, it's not no in particular order. It's just make sure that we continuously go through our list of 190, I'm sorry, 141 companies and meet with them as regularly as possible. Um, I would add that we also do that with industry now because we have that industry team and we don't meet with all 8,000 companies, um, but they're meeting with a lot of them and, um, and they will, they will meet with them and and find out what they need to work better with those contract holders to, to satisfy the customer and provide the products we need at at a good price, which is our ultimate goal. Right, but right in the middle of your homepage, which is uh, soup.nasa.gov, is your uh, your ongoing webinar series. Right. Again, for both sides, for the federal agencies, the service agencies, as well as for 
the contract holders and I guess the OEMs. Yes, too. and the OEMs, yes. So uh, have you beefed that up over COVID or was that you were migrating that way anyhow? Well, definitely beefed it up. We, are, we were migrating towards, especially from the, um, in, from the industry point of view, we were beefing that up as, as we got to March of last year. And, and there was plans to have uh, regional meetings, for example, and, and we, they were, you know, as, going to, going, finding ways to work within existing conferences. Um, we tried different ways to interact with industry there. So, um, so once this happened, the, uh, the other clear way to move forward was to come up with a, a monthly webinar that is open to industry, um, uh, sometimes with specific um, topics um, um, like CMMC, uh, CMMI, CMMI. Um, and and um, you know eight eight nine. So we've had we've had webinars on that, um, but we've also just had general webinars on how to how to work with soup. So so yes, it, it, it was part of our strategy. But and hopefully we'll get back to allowing for one on one discussions and and meetings. Um, but it's also been good to have this ability to meet with anybody um, and and in larger groups, um, whether you're you know in DC or you know somewhere in California, and you can do a webinar today. Cool. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Joanne Wojtek of NASA Soup. You can find them at soup, S-E-W-P, dot NASA, dot gov. Uh, you can find uh, Joanne and a... Uh, a super group on LinkedIn. Um, so you you had these uh, uh, various uh, focus the, your your kind of goals for 2020. One of them was the uh, the customer Odyssey team. Talk to me about that. So um, I, I mentioned that I, in the previous segment that I, I was I come from doing data. I also actually my even farther back. Uh, experiences with customer interfacing I mean, all the way back to the seventies um, <laughs> in the early days of customer uh, uh, interaction. Um, so I, I place a lot of um, emphasis on that um, in, in looking at where soup and anybody is in terms of the web. I, I came to think that maybe we haven't changed that much in the past 20 years in our interfaces with the customer. Um, the the form, format and forms of websites have not changed significantly. Um, how we interact with customers seems to still follow a um, what, what we did 20 years ago. They're not 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 as much new thought as I'd like to think that there should be out there by now. So we put together a new team. It's still forming. Um, there are three members. A fourth is coming soon. Um, hopefully, maybe even a couple more this year will be added. To so look not at not at what is currently being done on websites and, and customer experience. But what is the future? What is the next best thing, as I like to say? Um, and as an example, they, they went out and found this, this uh, play, that company or organization that does uh, awards for um, the most innovative designs and, and on web pages. And it was pretty fascinating to see what people were doing. I, it made me excited again to see something more than just a form. <laughs> uh, now, does it work yet? No, but it, it gives you ideas. And then, I, and then hopefully we bring in um, some, some more of the psychology of it. I don't think enough thought is put to the psychology of a customer, not, 
not what do we as a technical group want a customer to do, but what do customers really, how do they really interact with, with an interface that they're given? And, and how do we get them information? We have so much information on our website. Our website is replete with information and we get really basic questions all the time. Of confusion by our customers. So we're clearly not hitting it, um, what they need. So what is it that they need? Um, and it's, so we have a group that's working on that. Some of it will, will, will um, cause changes and has already caused changes to our current system. Some of it may not, may not affect us for another five years or so until they, but it gives us a chance to start playing with that interface of, that goes beyond a basic form type of picture that I think of the websites typically have with too much data, too much information and, and not a good flow to our customers. Yeah, it used to be uh, there was a rule that if it took more than three clicks to find, the visitor would leave. Um, so, but but the whole customer experience thing is taking on a life of its own. And a good part of that experience is how they interface with you through your your website. So um, you, you, you indicated that your site is, is replete with all kinds of information for pretty much anybody who'd have a tangential interest in the soup contract. How has, has, has your site evolved this year as a result, or are you looking to evolve it? So I, I made mention of, of one of the big changes we made uh, was just how we present information about quotes. Um, so it's now more visual to our customers when, when, a, when a quote meets or does not meet um, certain requirements. And it's funny or sad <laughs> that uh, we, it's the same information we always gave the customer. We would give them a, 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 with every quote, we gave them a verification file that verified everything on the quote. Um, and I realized they probably were just not paying attention to it. So now it visually shows them that things, what things are verified and not verified. And suddenly lots of questions occur. And, and our contract holders are paying more attention to what's being put on the contract because it's now visual that, that they are not meeting certain criteria like EPEAT or TAA or authorized fee seller or, um, or, or, or items like that. So we, we, we show it and it becomes more visual. It becomes more visible to our customers and to our contract holders. Now they're paying attention. Sometimes it's just been a question of getting the right data into, into place. So on that alone, videos, we, we, we're getting much better at the videos. Um, we just did an 889 video, um, which is actually being used by all of NASA. Um, because it, it, it's a good explanation to everybody about how that rule is working or, or should work. So, so we are trying new things. Um, we are trying to expand out uh, while not totally losing our customers along the way. You know, we want to make sure we're not shifting too far in one direction, um, but we are going to shift as we, as we understand better how to work with them. Okay. So you had multiple initiatives uh, four major initiatives uh, going into this year. Uh, you've talked about the data. You've talked about the uh, uh, what we just wrapped up on the web sites. Um, tell me a little bit about Soup University. All right. So, um, what one of the pieces that comes with both being a big part of all our staff, but also just in general being a bigger staff and having more to know is. Our staff doesn't necessarily know what they need to know. Um, not, not, not. They know what they need to know for what their own job is, 
but we aren't doing a good enough job internally of, of, of training them, of providing them with the tools and the resources. So it's not that they don't have the knowledge or ability to know, it's a question of how to, how to present to a diverse staff from you know, customer service staff to a programmer to a contracting officer while sitting in the same program with our own pieces, how do we make sure that we understand each other's piece and, and learn it? And what tools can we do to, to improve that without burdening? You don't want to make training, internal training particularly, so burdensome that they can't get the job done um, or that they don't, or that they turn off from it. So we're going to try to find ways to improve our internal um, interactions and training um, so that all of our customers have a good, I mean, all of our customers, all of our staff have, have a, have as good an understanding as possible, not just of what they do, but what the entire program does. And I think that will help improve um, our our success again um, and, and make us even better. All right. So what about the catalog experience side of things? Right, so so one of the key changes in Super 5 was a concept called agency catalog, although this goes beyond that. It, it deals with data and, and information flow in general. But we, we, we have greatly improved the ability for an agency to identify those products or services that they are buying over and over again and put them into a specialized place for them. And, um, and a good example is, uh, is NASA. Uh, NASA has a, a list of approved products. Um, many of them are on our contract, but how can somebody find them? Well, rather than say, well, go look them up or go ask for, our, go ask for a quote, uh, because we have a defined set of products at NASA, we can set up a defined catalog area that makes it easy for a, a customer to come in at NASA and say, oh, I want to buy this laptop. It's, a, it's on the approved list. I'm okay. I don't have to do special paperwork to find out if it's okay. I know it's okay. Um, and we've done that in, in a couple of other agencies also. So trying to, and then we made it easier for them to find the products. We're, we're building that capability up so that um, so that our customers can can go in and, and if there is a, a standardized item within their agency they want to purchase, they can easily find that. Uh, this all develops off of the original, uh, I'll give some kudos to OMB here. Uh, this concept really started with the OMB um, Government Strategic Sourcing for Laptops and Desktops Initiative, which we still participate in and is our, our main catalog, our original catalog um, that allows for a customer to go in and just, I want a laptop here's the standard laptops and purchase that laptop. Okay. Um, so basically it's, it's a custom book. Right. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's owned by the agency who's running it. Um, we, we provide the framework for it and, um, but, but they, they provide what, what the criteria is for what goes in there. And then we provide them with reports on how it's getting used and, and, and can really control for them how, what's being presented to their agency in, in that regard. So if they want to standardize on a set of printers, they can say, these are the printers to go to. And, and then it's not, it's not the full, you know, soup has every printer on it. Well, agency X might just want these five types of printers available so we can show that to their customers. Okay. So, um, so cool. I like that. Uh, and I would wager your customers like that. Yes. So one quick question about that. Is it up to them to populate the products that they are standardizing on or purchase? You're simply putting, uh, putting the list out there. These are the things you seem to buy regularly. 
you know, it's up to them. So they, they create what we call a request for agency catalog. They go through a, a request system going out to all of our contract holders, asking them for input as to what matches what they need. And they determine which products actually do make that match. So it's, um, it's up to them to make that determination. And then, and then we take care of putting that into a usable uh, format. Cool. All right. We're going to take our last break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I shall return to wrap up with Joanne Wojtek right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm wrapping up a show with Joanne Wojtek, Program Manager at NASA Soup. Again, you can find them at soup, sewp.nasa.gov, or find Joanne and her staff on LinkedIn. Um, if you run a uh, search on LinkedIn, uh, SEWP and hit return, you'll get uh, NASA employees, soup employees, and soup vendors, um, which is cool. So um, your your contract has, uh, number one, a deserved reputation of being among the best, and many think the best run uh, GWAC, possibly IDIQ, in in government. Uh, you keep the customers happy. You keep the vendors happy. Uh, your your staff retention is extraordinary. Uh, you've been driving this particular bus for uh, for a long while. Um, so the the what do you, what do you see in 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 the near term for what you need to do to keep this thing on track? and maybe even a little longer look. So over the next year or so, you had four initiatives this year. Do you have any new ones coming up? Well, the Always. first initiative is to have, have more initiatives. <laughs> so uh, we, this is actually the uh, last year was the first year we, we, I, we really focused on, on setting up strategic initiatives in, a, in, a, in the real sense of, of, of that and uh, been quite happy with how that has helped uh, evolve how we're going to get get things done this year. Um, we're, we will be working on the next set as we go through later this, this year. Um, but we, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of, we talked about the fact that staff training is, is part of this year. I, I would say part of next year might be the leadership, you know, evolution and, and how, and what that means. And I, I could see that being, I had a guess where we might go with that. Um, it's, it, we, many of us came from the technical world, myself included, um, or, or from the contracting world. And now we're, we're leading a, a, a major IT contract vehicle in the U.S. government. Um, we, we need to know that we are doing all that we should be doing as leaders, both internally and externally. And um, it's great to have learned on the job, but maybe you need to, <laughs> need to focus a little, even more on that. So um, it's certainly been a part of my thought process and, and how to how to improve ourselves is, is how to improve myself and then my staff as, as leaders um, and, and take that role um, for, for, for the good of all. Um, we really, we really focus, I, I think one of our great success stories is we focus on being what a government entity should be, which is we're here to do the best thing for the government and for the, the population in terms of getting the best equipment, easiest way, most efficient, with, with real good pricing. Okay. And, and you keep lowering the, uh, the fee 
to access the vehicle. Um, we've, we've been fortunate to be able to do that. Yes, and we did. We did lower it again this year um, slightly. And um, I will say we're getting to the point where I don't know if I'll hit the 0.25%. I, I, I was you know, sort of boasting that maybe I get to it at the beginning of C5, not, not really believing I get there. Um, we're at 0.34 now, but we do balance what we are doing with our staff and, and our resources. And, and also then can we give something back to our, our customer agencies in terms of less, less cost to them? and more benefits in other ways, um, utilize the scaling of what we are. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we're going to continue to work on data in the coming year. I, you know, we're, we're getting it better this year. I think quality is our first case, but then we also have to figure out what to do with that. Um, you know, we, we have lots of reports we can do, but what does it really mean? And, and how can we utilize that to better target, um, our, our resources, both to our customers and industry, um, and our contract holders and make sure that we're, um, we're playing the best role of that that mid channel of information to all all customers in, in on either side of the aisle. Well, you know that that whole data thing is is provided you the ability again to help build those agency catalogs, um, but it it also provided you something relatively new over the last year or so, and that is. Um, you're, you're able to identify the, uh, the top performing OEMs on your vehicle. Right. And, and, and look for trends too, which, which people, people like yourself <laughs> who interview me often say, well, what are the trends? And my answer would always be, I don't know. <laughs> we, we sell a lot of products. It's nice to be able to actually say, well, the trends are now I can actually say the trend is uh, from year to year. It looks like the main items people buy are the main items people buy. Um, and if you think of who are the top co- companies, you, you're talking about the Cisco's, Dell's, Oracle's, HP's, Microsoft, IBM. These all sound like very familiar major companies. Um, they don't change that much. There may be a little jostling on the top 10 list. But I, I was actually slightly surprised at how, um, as I brought this up just before we started talking, uh, the only new one in our top 10 this past year was Palo Alto Networks. Um, so a new networking company, not new but new for us in terms of being up to the top 10. Um, yeah, I was going to say Palo Alto has been around for a while. Right. <laughs> but but they're actually getting more usage through our contracts. Broadcom is up there. So in the top 20, uh, that was not there before. Um, I, 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 Citrix was the only one that, that seemed to me to fit with where the COVID was because it's jumped up quite a bit. Um, obviously, a virtualization pro- company, you know, they're doing a lot of work in that arena. I suspect that that has something to do with it. It might be where COVID comes into place. But the fact of the matter is, we talk about IT as much as we want to talk about the cloud and this is going to solve, and we wanted to buy IT anymore. You still need IT. You still need a desktop. You still need a network to make things work. You still need, um, you know, um, you need the cloud, but you also need all the pieces that go with it. And, and we, we can't ignore that as, as a government or as, as a consumer. And, and we have to make sure that we're working with those companies to, um, and, and not just go go after the latest new thing and forget about the fact that the basic needs of the customer are still the basic needs. Yeah. At at the beginning of COVID, did you uh, register a surge in uh, products necessary to work from home? Um, it, it seemed like there might have been some. Um, certainly um, laptops seem to be a big thing. Um, <laughs> but it's... <laughs> 
but that's why I was a little surprised. I think I, I had originally seen a bigger change halfway through the year. But I think once when, when we take the full fiscal year into account, it all sort of settled in. So yeah, there might have been, but you know, some some of the companies that were doing more uh, more of the virtualization type of work might have moved up a bit for a while. Some of the ones that that did some some peripherals, but you know, it's a large customer base you're dealing with. So they're, they're going to spread out the, any, any fluctuation has to be major, pretty major to make a, a real change to what, what we're seeing. Um, and, and we did get a lot of requests for things that we couldn't sell. Um, you know, we can't sell masks um, <laughs> we <were asked laughs> that, or gloves. I'm like, yeah, not quite in scope. Um, so, um, so there were a lot of requests for that. And there were requests for, for expedited um, deliv- deliveries and expedited quoting. So there was that, even if they were buying the same basic, because they needed things to get there sooner so they could react to the changes right. in the environment. Yeah, and fortunately, you're not in the shipping business. So when you got right. an order for 400 laptops, 398 of which were going to different addresses, you didn't have to deal with that. The vendor did. Well, and the problem, of course, is that while the government consumer wanted those products faster, the industry was hit with the same problems all of us are. That is, the supply chain was held up because of, uh, of the issues of travel. And, and sure. Yeah. So you got any final thoughts you want to share? I think we are um, extremely happy where we're at with, with our, um, our position in the marketplace, if you want to say that, as, as, as yeah. government sort of industry sort of thing, um, in that we're, we're, we're finding ourselves um, able to give both sides of the equation now more of, of what they need to know how to work with the government, how to work with industry and, and making sure that we're getting, doing that information flow that, that is important to both sides. Oh, Joanne Wojtek, thank you very much for joining me again. And let's get together before end of FY. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. This is not my day job. I do advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, but I focused lately, lately being the last five or six years on a couple of specialized areas, social selling via LinkedIn, content marketing, and building that subject matter expert, that differentiated position in the market. So if these things resonate with you, uh, drop me a line, give me a call, markamtower at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. There's a better way to drive traffic to your e-commerce store. Harness the power of AdRoll Dynamic Display Ads. Promote your products with interactive ads or showcase your best offers with an in-ad video. Not only is it easy for customers, you save money too. Dynamic Display Ads lower cost per conversion by 50% compared to static ads. See the difference. Visit AdRoll.com to get started today.